Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I am your host as always. And a very disappointing end to 2023 as Rangers go down in the New Year Old Firm game. Joining me to discuss the fallout from that match is Ross Hutton. Good afternoon Ross and Happy New Year when it comes. Likewise, David. Happy New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's Eve, listeners, as well. Yeah, not the not the best way to round off twenty twenty three. They are indeed to round off December, which is, is otherwise been a pretty good month. But you never want to leave it on a low point, don't you? No, you don't. And Rangers unfortunately did. I, I kind of feel we could save ourselves some time today. Busy day, Hogmanay, of course. But uh, I kind of feel we could just copy and paste from some previous old form matches. Rangers actually did reasonably well in terms of chance creation. Better than we've done at Parkhead for a while. But we don't have any quality in the forward areas. And that was proven again yesterday at a crucial moment. Celtic do, unfortunately for us, have quality in Kyogo. He is the difference again. It's not the first time that we've said that. Rangers rally, but too little, too late. Don't manage to leave with a point. And Rangers are on the end of some baffling, he said in inverted commas, refereeing decisions. So we'll, we'll discuss all of that. Firstly, Ross, every Rangers fan I've spoken to says the same thing, which is, look, we're not good enough in key areas, and we know that, and that's the reason we lost. And the refereeing was terrible. There seems, though, sometimes to be a bit of a... Uh, 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 that You have to pick one or the other, right? You, you can't say both. You're not able to say, well, actually, two things occurred yesterday. The first thing is that Rangers lack the kind of players you need, match winners in big games, for games against Celtic, right? We, we, we don't have those type of players. We know that. The manager's going to have to go out and find some. And Rangers fans, I think, are also aware that it's a limited squad. And that's, you know, it's limited anyway. And then you add in the injuries and it becomes very, very limited. The bench Rangers had yesterday, for example, there was virtually nothing on it that was liable to be able to come on and change a game. And and so it was proven. But you are still also allowed to say, but hang on a minute, there were several crucial decisions that went against Rangers in this match. And when you look at back at them, there's no justification. I don't see why these two things have to... You, you, you pick one in isolation. You're allowed to say, need more forwards. 
fair play, Celtic have got forwards that won them the game. You're allowed to say that and still go. And by the way, the referee was a fucking disgrace. It's a quality that I'm quite proud of in the Rangers support. That It doesn't matter what bad result that we have. First and foremost, we will always be quite intrinsic and, and look at ourselves and look at our own faults and, and look to blame that first and foremost. I don't think we ever go jumping straight in with two feet into blaming officials without the caveat of, but we weren't good enough to win the game and we weren't in those key areas. As you mentioned, that was a game won in moments yesterday. We have been on the end of some absolute hidings at Parkhead in recent memory where Celtic just ran right over the top of us. That wasn't really the case yesterday whatsoever. Especially in that in that first half, there was a period where Celtic were on top and they got a goal from it. There was a period towards the end of the half where we were on top and we were profligate as we have been in the past. And that's what kills you at the end of the day, along with a sucker punch early in the second half. And I'm a big believer that all goals have points of failure. You could argue that they should have closed he'll go down sooner, but you can't really account for that kind of wonder strike, which is what it was. That doesn't take away, however, from the fact that in those key moments in the game, the referee, and I'm using that as a kind of catch-all term for the team of referees there, including the VER officials, which I know we'll talk about a wee bit more in a minute, David, had some absolutely mind-blowingly bad decisions and mind-blowingly bad calls. It's not just about the penalty, which I, again I know we'll discuss more more in depth, and there's a lot of circumstances around that penalty, and the discourse about that will continue for a wee while. But it's about the fact as well they didn't seem to practice what they preached. It was almost as though, as one of my mates put to me yesterday quite well, Nick Walsh was very quick to get the yellow cards out early on in the first half, and he was almost scared to try and do it again in the second half to really go and back up his own decisions. And he put himself in a position by giving two correct bookings in, in the first half to, to Alistair Johnson and, and Bernardo, obviously for his celebration. That I, I don't like the fact you can get booked for running into no, a I, 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 don't, I don't like that rule either, but it is a rule. But, yeah, but, 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 that is, but that is the loss. I'm not having a go at him for that per se. He has applied the laws of the game correctly. He's done his job. He's done what he's there to do. But he hasn't then backed that up in the second half. It is a he was scared to give decisions. And I think that's a, a theme not just of yesterday, David, but a theme of recent visits to Parkhead where referees are, are scared to give those really, really big match-changing decisions. I'm not even talking about the penalty there because I'm not too sure there's much more Nick Walsh could have done for the penalty, to be honest. No, that's I don't blame him need, for that. That's where he needs the help of VAR, which, as I say, is a whole other talking point in itself. But for those two second yellow cars, no, that, that is very much within his gift and it's his job to go and apply the laws of the game, which he didn't do yesterday. He refereed the occasion and not the incident, which is all we ask for referees not to do. You need to apply the laws of the game consistently and fairly right through. and he didn't do that yesterday, which is not the first time we've seen that happen at Parkhead, and we all know the, the reasons why. It's, it's, it's an easier life. I don't yeah, think, it's, he doesn't, I don't want, think anyone, a, he doesn't no. want to have to phone a glazier today. No, well, that, that's the thing, David. I'm almost, and I got a wee bit of stick for saying this yesterday, but I kind of stand by it. I don't really blame the referees for that per se because I don't think anyone wants to go to their place of work and make a correct decision and do their job properly and then have you know PIs following you about for the next two weeks and a police escort taking you to your work as your windows are being panned in nobody wants that for their life so it's working what, what, what Celtic fans have done in that coordinated campaign and the ramping up of media pressure on the referees it has worked and it's worked in their favour and yesterday is just another example of how that pans out in real life 
yeah, I mean, let, we'll go through the key decisions in the match and then we'll, we'll come to Rangers' failings. Just in case, as I say, anyone thinking that we're going to go, oh, it was totally the rest of what it wasn't, right? I mean, I accept that. Um, but you're still allowed to say, well, hang on a minute here. Uh, the first one is the penalty one, and we'll come back to that one because that's opened up a whole other can of worms, I think, for the SFM one that I don't think is likely to go away for them anytime soon. But... Uh, the next one is the tackle by Bernardo on Connor Goldson. He's on a yellow. It's a textbook yellow card. He should be sent off. Yeah, no, and that that that, that is exactly it, and that is a long and short of it. And the key kind of litmus test for me with that is if Bernardo doesn't get booked pre celebration, see he he stops on the white line, doesn't run into the crowd, therefore doesn't get booked. Does he get booked for that challenge? Yes. 100%. Yes, yeah, he 100%. does. 100%. The referee knows who it is. And if it's anybody exactly. else in the park who's not in a yellow, he gives him a booking. So he makes that decision. So that's wrong. And, and that's, that's why I use the phrase, David, he refereed the game and not... Yeah, he didn't, he didn't want to... Send... What... No, of course not. Yeah, he wanted to keep him on. The second one, then, is Johnston. Um, flailing arm and a high challenge. Again, standard yellow card doesn't get given because he's on a booking. And what are you what are you meant to do about that? But like like I said earlier on, I'm almost gonna pass the point of blaming the referees for not wanting to give these big decisions. Some people will say, No, you go there to do your job and I get that, but it's very easy to say when it's not your day to day life being being disrupted by the, the follow from this and we all know what the follow on from that would be. It'd be weeks and weeks of them being berated for the most, you know, easy easy to give yellow cards at two-second bookings that you would ever see in your life as a referee, and of course it was, but they don't want to have that tailing them around into the new year and, and all through January until Celtic finally get their way again. So yeah, like I mean, it's, it's natural. I, I just, you cannot look at these two incidents and not, now, and again, I'm not going to go, VAR, VAR can't review second yellows. Neither of these are straight reds, right? Neither of these qualify as straight reds, but they are both bookings absolutely textbook bookings no referee would look at that and not give and you cannot say that Celtic going down to nine men at that period even down two nil Rangers don't suddenly really have a, a much better chance of winning the match so these are huge game-changing decisions next one is the Leon Balligan red card I have no problem with that that was a correct decision Balligan bad touch sees that Maida's got away from him panics brings him down instinctively and that's that's a red card. I don't I don't have an issue with that. All I'm saying is apply the rules to both teams. Yeah, I've not spoken to a single Rangers fan yet that has any issue with that Leon Balogun red card. It's it's a red card. It's a poor first touch, touch and then a, a kind of rash moment of decision making. I think you can actually see on the replay Jack Button screaming at him to not do it because he thinks he fancies it in a foot race. Maybe at that moment you need to try and have the clarity of head to say it's Maida versus Jack Butland. Do I really want to do this? But you're not having that clarity of decision making in that moment, are you? I think you're asking for no, it's panic. a superhuman it's... level of mental yeah. strength there. So I'm not going to berate him too much for that. It's just a poor first touch and then yeah. obviously the consequences of your actions. Berate him for the touch. I mean, it's a t- Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's poor for that, but I'm not going to go in on him too much for bringing him down. It's just what I think a lot of professionals would probably do in that moment. You're uh, yeah, he gambles and he thinks... Yeah. It, yeah, he does. He but gambles, but it's it's a red that doesn't card. take away from the two non-red cards that Celtic received. No, there. That, if you're happy exactly, to yeah. admit 
And I think we are on this podcast if we're happy to admit our own feelings and say, yep, that's a, an error by Leon Balogun, the Stonewall red card to Rangers. That's fair enough. You need to take the rough with the smooth and call out the two non-red cards for Celtic because that is game-changing and another decision that doesn't go Rangers' way at Parkhead. The Dessers won in the first half. Now, I think un- you know universally among us as Rangers supporters, we were simply staggered that he didn't get shot off and look he absolutely should have but again two things that can be true at the same time is he fouled as he runs through on goal now this one i'll be honest i'm not i can see what I'm, i don't think this is a staggering decision i think the two non-red cards are, are genuinely staggering decisions i really do but the that this one I can see why it's not given. Johnson is doing what I would expect a defender to do, which is to make it difficult for him to get to not you know, not pull him back per se, but make sure you're hassling him and break his stride and momentum. And he does that. It falls into seeing them given, but also, if I'm being totally honest, I'd have been upset if it was given against us. Your yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was about to say. I'm applying that test of if it was up the other end, how would I feel? I would be, if that's Tav against Kyogo, for example, in a kind of reverse situation, I would be seething if that was given mm-hmm. against us. It's not, I don't think it's a foul whatsoever. I'd be genuinely quite angry if we conceived a penalty from that. And I think to try and, I don't want to say come up with the excuse, but to, to use that in place of the fact of Dessers not having the, the quality of the composure to get a shot or a pass away, kind of takes a wee bit of the agency away from from how poor that moment was and that narrative that we set out right at the start before talking about any refereeing decisions, David, is that we don't have the quality in both boxes to be able to shut Celtic out and win these kinds of games, and that is the absolute key example of it. I don't think it's a penalty. I, I wouldn't want to give Dessers any kind of out from that poorness of, of not getting the shot away, it's entirely his own fault and a massive, massive moment in the game. But that was of our own making and our own feeling. And then, of course, the penalty. Now, this one raised a lot of eyebrows because at the time, uh, and I think that, that Sky may have somewhat given the game away here when it comes to what is looking more and more like a cover-up on this one. Rangers have, have asked for the audio of the VAR on this to be released because ball comes into the box, and Alistair Johnson, the Celtic defender, as he's swivelling, knocks the ball out with his hand. And it's a penalty. I mean, it really is. His arms away from his body. It's swinging round. And it stops Dessers potentially taking the ball down and having an attack. So it's a penalty, right? There's, there's zero doubt about that. Now, I don't blame the ref for not seeing this, because in real time, I didn't see it. It's, it's difficult. It's very quick. Kind of what VAR is there for. Now, there is a VAR check. And no penalty. And the commentators are a bit baffled by this. And they say, well, it looks like a penalty to me. Goes to half time and Sky, the broadcast partner, and remember Sky can hear the referee, uh, the, the, the VAR referee's discussion with the match official that's in their ears during the match. They're discussing it and they can't understand why a penalty was not given. It just, everyone saying it's a penalty, you know, they, they, Ask Mike Dean on Soccer Saturday, it's a penalty. Everyone agrees it's a penalty. But then 10 minutes into the second half, we hear there was an offside. And they show you some lines. And you know, suspicious about those particular lines, but uh, that's maybe just me. And, oh no, it was offside. And actually, I said in our post-match, look, if he was offside, fair enough. End of story. I don't have a problem with that one. Um, offside is offside. 
But then it gets quite murky because Ian Crocker, the Sky commentator, says, well, it'd be nice to be told that at the time. And increasingly, what it looks like, because someone from the SFA has briefed the Herald, that he didn't say it was offside at the time. He didn't check for offside at the time. He said it wasn't a penalty. He just decided, well, he call him, that the, the arm was in a natural position and it wasn't a clear and obvious error and didn't award the penalty. But then somehow, 30, 40 minutes later, miraculously, this offside appears. Now, this is just speculation on my part, but here's what I think has happened. I think Willie Collum has decided it's not a penalty and it's a terrible decision because it's a penalty. Neil Lennon said it's a penalty. And he has then panicked a little bit and he sort of looked at it again, noticed there might have been an offside in the build-up and went, phew, right, um, I'm off the hook with that one. And he's then sent Sky the lines. That's how it works. They, the referees do it and they send to the broadcast partners. He's then sent Sky the lines and went, look, he was offside. Natural human reaction when you've made a cock-up to go to look and say, oh, well, this exonerates me. But he hasn't realised the implications of doing that. And he's sent them it. And it's only then, I'm sure, it dawned on him that, hold on a minute, this looks like I've lied. Because he did. It looks to me and to everyone else like he lied. Rangers have asked for the audio to be released to them. And it's fairly simple, Ross. If in the audio he said, I'll just check for offside, then that's fine. But he didn't because the referee then reached it. If, if he had done that and then told the referee, no penalty, it's offside, then the referee restarts it with a free kick to Celtic mm-hmm. for offside and then makes a signal for that. Instead, he restarts it with a goal kick to Celtic, which was his original decision. It's not the fact of the decision, and people are getting confused in this. It's not about whether the decision was right or not. It's like Doogie McDonald all those years ago, when he lied about how he came to the decision and was forced to to leave refereeing. This is the same. It's Willie Collum has lied about his decision. He has said it's not a penalty initially. Then, half an hour later, realising he's made a big blunder, has looked for a sort of post-haste um, exculpatory moment. He has then said, ha-ha, it's offside. And here's the thing. See if there are questions about the integrity of your decision-making process. If you're caught out in a lie about your decision-making protest, uh, process, that makes it even worse. And frankly, if n- there's nothing in the audio at the moment of it where he talks about offside, he needs to resign. It's it's handing in your homework, realising you've made a mess of it and then going to market as well. At best, this is the most egregious failing of applying the laws of the game that you will see this season. And at worst, it's something else. But I think the big point you made there to clarify is there's not a single Rangers fan out there saying we should have got a penalty in spite of the offside. No, Nobody is trying to argue that. If, at the time, Willie Collum has, has said on his audio, on his comms, that's a penalty, but just let me do my due diligence. I'm going to check for any infringements in the build-up, such as offside. Correct. 
absolutely fine. Nobody would have an issue with that. Kasima is offside. That is just object, an objective fact. You can see it from the lines that were subsequently given at uh, you know towards the end of the game there. But that is the problem. Nobody seems to have mentioned that at the time. If Crocker doesn't actually say it would have been nice to have known that 20, 30 minutes ago, this probably doesn't happen. Nobody is probably asking this question. It's the fact that he has almost kind of landed Willie Cullum. And it would want an explanation for it, for, for, for sure. But if he doesn't say the words, oh, it would have been nice to know this, we can probably just assume that Colm has said that at the time and that's not been communicated. Now, Sky, are, do... Sky are raging. Sky are raging yes. because they felt that they as broadcast partners are supposed to be informed of decisions. That's why they're mic'd up to... So, the, so what is more likely are. here? So what is more likely that Crocker, Sutton and Miller have all just not heard a conversation about an offside check taking place or it's just not happened? I, th- I think we can all probably tell the answer there. And this is the thing as well, David. Rangers aren't asking for anything totally off the wall in terms of the audio being released. People will remember a couple of months ago when Liverpool demanded the exact same thing when they had a goal wrongly ruled out away at Tottenham. Now, that goal should have stood and this shouldn't have been a penalty, but the transparency is something that we all want to see and we're all demanding from this situation. And to be quite honest, if the SFA and Willie Collum are happy that they have done their proper due diligence for this check and in real time communicated to the officials on the park that they were checking for offside, then they should be happy to hand over the audio because there'd be nothing to hide. It's like Nixon tapes. Almost. So is there a smoking gun there from, from Willie Collum where he's not mentioned offside and just thinks that this wasn't a clear and obvious error? It seems to point in that direction. And like I say, if the SFA have nothing to hide, if they back their man and if they're confident that they will be exonerated in the process, release the audio. Let us all hear it. I'm an advocate for that in general, by the way. Um, there's a couple of shocking bar decisions over this weekend. Hearts have had an absolute... Hearts, um, uh, yeah, absolutely haven't seen it. Alan given. Forrest rounds a keeper, the keeper brings him down as he's about to put the ball in the net, by the way. I mean, he's... he's you know, got a yeah, really great keeper. angle. Right. He's, he's round to get a bit. It's not even like it's a tight angle and he thinks I better go down. It's not that. He's just about to score. He gets booked. VAR reviews it and doesn't overturn it. I mean, it's an absolute shocker. So this isn't just a, a Rangers point I'm making here, David. I'm pro-transparency in all of these decisions because we have the means to do it now. And I think it would uh, lead to a much healthier discourse about, about referees and officiating in Scotland if we could all hear how these decisions have came to be. Uh, people who have watched Howard Webb on Monday Night Football, for example, going yeah. through bar decisions and actually talking people through the communication channels and the events that lead to decisions being made. I think we all thought that was a positive step. So the SFA have a an opportunity here almost to try and increase transparency and decision-making within Scottish football, something which I think we would all welcome by releasing this audio. And as I've said, if they are confident in their man, if they are confident that every box has been ticked and every I has been dotted and every T is crossed, there's nothing to worry about there. The only reason they would refuse to do so is if there is, and that seems to be the case here. Now, all of that notwithstanding, Rangers, again, architects of our own downfall at Parkhead, conceding the first goal cheaply, Seema should do better at a corner. It's just a bad header. There's not really much analysis we can do on it. He should do better. He doesn't. He heads it right down into the middle of the the box, which is a no-no. And, of course, Celtic scored from a good finish from Bernardo. But, yeah, you, you just need to deal with that better. But then, not taking chances. The Dessers one is just awful. And this is who he is. You know, the goal in Betis and a few finishes domestically. But his touch is woeful. I mean, it really is. Uh, he has no pace. And 
he's just got to score in that particular instance doesn't and that that's a key difference if that's at the other end it's a goal and it's that that quality and composure at both ends of the pitch that we've spoken about so often this is not a new conversation or a new problem for Rangers it's just new people causing the problem I remember doing a couple of flagships with you last year David after defeats against Celtic and I think we said the same thing it wasn't one of those defeats where Celtic ran over the top of us it was a defeat in moments because Celtic had big players who would take them whether that be Kyogo whether that be Jota at the time, they would take their chances when it fell to them. We haven't had that for a number of years now. And yesterday, this was one that is, is the worst by a distance because you have two options there. You can either shoot yourself across goal and obviously hope for the best or force a save, or you can try and look up and square it to Cantwell. There is no do-nothing option, but that seems to be the one that Dessers picked. It's a, a lack of composure and a lack of confidence from a player who... I think we were hoping, probably against their better judgment, and I include myself in this, by the way, hoping that he had turned a corner maybe in his Rangers career, that he was starting to find his feet. He'd scored a couple of goals, a couple of decent goals in that as well. The bet is one was a very, very good goal. You're thinking, OK, this might be a time where we can actually get some output here. Uh, Clement has spoken about that before, the importance of these players coming into the side especially when there's nobody else to do so, and not just making up a jersey, but actually providing output and quality. And he'd, he'd done that for a couple of games there. Like I say, the Dundee goal, the Betis one, the goal at home to St Johnston, all all decent goals in their own right. But that was a return to the, the Cyril Dessers that we know yesterday and the Cyril Dessers that we hate. And I think it's kind of past the point now where we can hope against our better judgment that we're going to get some extended run of quality. From it's just, it's just not worked out at all. And if we do need to take that that next step this season, which we do, and I think this is very much a league that's probably going to be won within the next transfer window, we need to add positive quality in our attacking areas. We've already taken a proactive step to do that, and that is refreshing as much as anything else for Rangers in the January transfer window to get our business done before the window opens and, and get it done early. But we need re- more re- reinforcements in there because we know now, we've seen enough from Dessers to know that we cannot rely on them in these big games to take these big moments. It's just not going to happen. No, I, I agreed. And uh, unfortunately, we then concede the second a late rally with 10 men, Tav with a brilliant free kick, but it's too little too late, we can't force anything, we don't have anything on the bench to come on and make the changes and that's that. All of the players who played yesterday, um, the front four were quite disappointing. There were moments from McCausland and I will exempt him because he is playing his old firm debut away at Parkhead. He's a young player who's still learning the game. He's not a finished article, Ross McCausland. And I know what we'll get people saying, oh, he's not young, he's this age. In terms of first-team experience, he's young, right? He is. Regardless of his physical age, he is playing his first few months in the side. So he had a couple of nice moments. There's stuff in his game he really needs to work on defensively in particular. But of the other, Sima, I think, he's been a decent signing, um, but he's gone off the boil the last few weeks. Possibly due to the fact that he's played every game. Um, he's not one who's got a rest and he's looked tired. His touch was off. And this isn't just yesterday. I thought he's poor the last couple of weeks. <clears throat> he just hasn't quite had the same impact in games that he's had before. Dessers is just a poor footballer um, and a bad signing. And we're not really good. You know, you could keep him and he would score, you know, 10 12 goals in the season, which you know isn't bad, but he's he's just not up to par for what we need in that particular position. And at that amount of money, just has to go down as a very bad signing. 
And Cantwell was a non-event again in a big game, and that's led to criticism of it. And to be fair, I think it's it's deserved. Um, he just did not influence the match whatsoever yesterday. I think it's as fans, particularly because we know the criticism that that Cantwell in particular gets from Celtic fans, we can automatically be quite defensive of him. And you heard the the cheers when he came off yesterday; they were rubbing his nose in it, and no one will know the pain of that more than he will. But He's not a protected species. This is a another another player who in these big games seems to be posted missing. And he had his big moment as well, Cantwell, in that first half where he was driving at goal. He had, again, two options, play it left or play it right to Dessers and McCausland, and picks the third option, which is to do nothing. And eventually, I think he goes out for a goal kick, and it's an absolute failure of a moment again from us. Now, those are the kind of wee moments that Celtic capitalise on and create chances from over the course of a game that we just don't seem to have that quality and composure to be able to do. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Cantwell should stay off TikTok or do this, that and the next thing. I don't, I don't really care about that or think it. No, it's got nothing to do with anything. It no, seems to be better than James. I'm not, I'm not going down that No, he, he need, oh, that, but, that's all just you know, froth. Yeah, it's just what one thing. Those kind of complaints. Yeah, it's it's trying to look for it and saying if he did this, he would be a better player. It's not. It, no, it's he needs to be better in games. He needs to, yeah. to, to channel it, and he hasn't been doing it. So I, I think my frustration with I think my frustration with Campbell David is sometimes is it does almost seem like he wants to do it all himself. And I know that no, it seems like such a dad thing to say, but there's plenty of moments yesterday you thought you could have released that sooner, you, you could have moved the ball on quicker. And it's taken that not just that extra third or fourth touch, but that extra sixth or seventh as well, where he feels as though he has to be the main man. And we all want Todd Cantwell to be the main man, because if he is and if he's playing well, we know the, the talent that he has and the success that he can bring to Rangers. I think we all see that clear as day, but he needs to be able to utilise the players around him as well. Whether he's, that's a trust thing, I don't yeah, know. He's, he's not had a good season. To... This is not just about, and, you know, and again, Again, David, not a new phenomenon with a Rangers player. How often did we talk about it with Ryan Kent, who looked as though he was playing with the absolute weight of the world on his shoulders? I see that a wee bit, wee bit from Cantwell too, but he almost just seems to try and absorb all that pressure and take it on himself, which he doesn't need to do, and try and use the players around him a wee bit more and not almost force himself into that position of needing to do everything himself and be the main man all the time when he can use the options that are around him to try and create better chances. So, it's another defeat in an Old Firm game, which is painful. It's been a shit year in Old Firm matches, let's be honest. However, um, I'm not quite what was me today. Obviously, yesterday I wanted to to, to go about, um, you know, kicking small animals and whatnot. But um, (laughs) now that, that, you know, you wake up. At the start of December, we faced a very long month, a lot of matches. And a lot of big matches and Philip, Philip, I think Philippe Clement has worked miracles with what is, as I mentioned at the start, this is not a good Rangers squad, right? It's not. It's got weaknesses all over it. And for him to fashion something out of it that's come through this month in the position that it's in, one of the things I've heard is, well, they're eight points clear, and other people will say, yeah, but we've got two games in hand, and folk go, oh, they don't count for anything. Well, they do, right? If you're eight points behind on the same amount of games, it's clearly a worse position than if you're eight points behind and you've got two opportunities to close that gap, obviously. Yeah, we need to win those games, but to win the title, you need to win those games anyway, right? Whether they're played in December or they're played in 
in April. And the fact of the matter is, is one of those games, the reason that we have that game in hand is because we were in the cup final, which he won, which Philip Clement won for us. Something I don't think would have happened under the previous manager. You know, the Europe thing was a bonus as well. Financially, it's very useful, especially in January. He needs to be allowed to get some players in in January because, and here's the thing, I think whoever wins this title this year is the weakest champions since Ronnie Dyla's Celtic team. And to be honest, I think there's been Rangers teams that have come second that have been better than whoever will win this year's title. But that's the fact. Celtic will drop points between now and the end of the season because they're not right. They can turn up in these games and unfortunately I've got a tip my hat to them for that but I don't think this is an old firm season where it comes down to the old firms where both teams are going to beat everybody regularly and it will come down to the four old firm matches I don't think it's that type of year I do think that they'll drop more points between now and the end of the season because there's just a thing with them at the moment where call it complacency whatever they're just not quite what they were I mean (laughs) In all honesty, if if that had been Postacoglu's team yesterday, 2-0 with 10 men, we'd have lost by four or five. Uh, And instead, they were hanging on for grim life at the end against 10 men. So we need a a, a massive infusion of quality up front because our summer business actually, I think, made us worse rather than better in that area. But I still think we're very much in this. And more importantly, I have a manager here who finally I believe in who I trust, can get it right. Not saying will, but can. Shows every indication of that. And I, I I, don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are. I know there are fans who it's a defeat to Celtic, burn everything down and start again. I just don't feel that way today. I feel, no, no, we're still capable of doing something special this season and are, regardless of this season, headed in the correct direction under a coach who knows what he's about, knows what he wants, and I believe can take us there. I said right after the game finished yesterday, David, that trying to take that in isolation, put it aside and look at the long term here. For the first time in a while, I've got a Rangers manager in place here who I genuinely do have full faith in and who has worked miracles. Whether he wants to say that or not, he has. With a squad that's not just poor, but dropping like flies around him, much to his bewilderment that he's been on record talking about that, that the injuries he has had to deal with since coming into the club have been just eye-watering. So to come through this month of December, this mental month that we always have with a League Cup winner's medal, which was an absolute non-negotiable, as I've all said, a real demand and pressure that we put on that side and they came and delivered that. And you need to give them the credit as much as we're slating them for that performance yesterday, credit where it's due. They went away to Spain and obviously done it the hard way, but they have topped that Europa League group, which is a fantastic achievement. So that's another big positive as well. And he's got us through to a lot, depending on what happens against Kilmarnock, the end of the first half of the league season up to the winter break in touching distance and not a bad place at all to go and kick on in the second half. And I think if you'd put it in those terms at the start of December, most of us would have been pretty happy with that. That's not to say that yes, it doesn't matter or, or it doesn't hurt or anything like that. No, not at all. Not. But I have came away from old firms feeling a lot more despondent than what I do today, to be honest. I think... Uh, I've said this before, but I think there were positives in there in the sense that we can see something building under Philippe Clement in a way that I'm not sure we've been able to say with any great degree. No, we, of we haven't. 
before. Because this is a guy who knows what he's about, who knows what he's doing, who knows what he wants. And I think that we have a level of trust that he can take as there, if backed and if allowed to bring in some some quality signings and some players who can do exactly. the job. I still think it's on for us this year. And yeah, you know, obviously we've got Kilmarnock coming up. We've got to win that. That's a non-negotiable. We need three points in that. It's not going to be easy because, you know, we're going to have 90 minutes of Del Ball at Ibrox. And Kilmarnock are playing well, right? Don't, don't you know, <laughs> don't feel that they're not. They'll be bang up for the game anyway, but they, they are playing well against everybody. You know, Aberdeen they've beaten away, Celtic of course have beaten twice. They are a side who are capable, so we'll need to be on it for that match. But if we do that and we get into the winter break, as I say, eight points but two games in hand, the League Cup and Europe to look forward to. When he came in, if you'd offered me that, I would have absolutely been desperate for it. 100%, and that's why I said earlier on that I think the, the champions this season will be the ones who have the better January transfer window because, like you said, this is not an infallible Celtic side in the way that it, it probably was last season where a lot, of teams, was, in, a lot of teams going into those games were, to use that old adage, beating in the tunnel. I think kind of turning up, what's the point? They don't get that sense this season. I think teams out with Rangers in the league feels those Celtic can be got at. So you do see them dropping more points. You don't think the quality is there in that Celtic side to be as relentless as they have been. Does, that doesn't mean that there's quality in Rangers right now to be as relentless as we want us to be. That is why Clamont needs backed in January. Because if we have a good window and we have that infusion of talent in the forward areas, then we can kick on and we can go and be the side that I think we believe that we can be under Clamont. So I, I am hopeful rather than despondent today as much as I am gutted about yesterday. So down but not out, not by a long chalk, and we look forward to 2024. Right, folks, thank you very much for joining myself and Ross today on the show. I'd like to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, uh, and I'd like to thank Ross for joining us today. No, thank you very much, David. Have a happy 2024 when it comes. Same to you, listeners. All the best for the next year. I'd like to thank you, the listeners for staying with us, for continuing to to listen, in fact, for the numbers to grow every single year. It's been remarkable. We're heading into our our 15th year uh, at heart and hand, which staggers me, but uh, it's it's been quite an amazing journey. Here's to a happy and successful 2024. I really genuinely believe that we are on the cusp of something. There will be bumps. There will be bumps along the road. There's no doubt about that. But I feel that we finally have the man who can deliver for us. And let's hope that that piece of silverware that was waved at us this month is not the last. I very much doubt that it will be. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again next year. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.